Welcome to Security Architecture Podcast, where we help cybersecurity professionals to stay ahead of the curve and ensure they are successful in their cybersecurity journey. Hi, I'm Evgeny. Hi, I'm Dimitri. We have a pleasure here to have Daniel from Standard Security, and we're going to talk today about application security. Daniel, can you please tell us about yourself and the company? Yeah, hi, thanks. Uh, great to be here. So I'm Daniel. I'm one of the founders and the CTO of Cider Security. Cider is a relatively new startup from Tel Aviv, Israel, focusing on CI, CD security. Cider is an application security operating system, which is built to enable AppSec practitioners to, to manage and orchestrate and harmonize all CI, CD security related activities all the way from code to deployment within one single contextualized pane of glass. CIDR is built using a very an approach that's very bottom-up in the sense that we realize that one of the gaps that AppSec practitioners have today is a lack of deep understanding and knowledge of what is going on in the engineering domain all the way from code to deployment. Uh, what are the technologies that are being used? How a piece of code gets to production, what pipelines repos are connected to, what artifacts and containers repos create, what pods end up running which containers. Just that technical DNA over what's going on uh, within the engineering domain. And I think the, the reality of today where the engineering train is moving really fast and engineers are accustomed to adopting new technologies quickly, adopting more frameworks, using third parties, using CI, CD, basically a lot of manual processes have been deprecated in favor of a lot of automations. Code gets to production five minutes after it is pushed to a source control repo. And those, those changes in the dynamic nature of the engineering ecosystem, on the one hand, has created great benefits for engineering groups and engineering processes. But on the other hand, it has created gaps for security practitioners, which find it difficult to keep up with the pace of engineering. A lot of the challenges that security teams face in this new reality of engineering is that security processes and systems and technologies are more fit for a reality, which used to be the reality about, let's say four or five years ago, a reality where security is, is kind of has the privilege of being a gate, has the privilege of being in the position where before something is deployed, before a major release goes to production, security has the privilege of explicitly approving it. And uh, engineering organizations or organizations as a whole are willing to slow down engineering for the sake of security. And of course, that reality isn't happening anymore. And security are forced to find a way to keep up with the pace of engineering and provide security guardrails for engineering processes that essentially allow engineering to continue to move fast to continue to be dynamic, to continue to move with high velocity, use third parties, use integrations, adopt more and more automations and more technologies, but without compromising or taking any security-related risks. And, and this is what the AppSec operating system is. The AppSec operating system is a platform that is meant mainly for AppSec practitioners or anyone who is responsible for securing the engineering ecosystem, the systems, the processes, and, uh, and, and embedding the right security controls and tools. So in many organizations, it could be DevOps or DevSecOps or SecDevOps. So 
that persona responsible for securing the engineering ecosystem is the, the user of CIDR. And again, CIDR is used to manage, orchestrate, harmonize all these security activities pertaining to the engineering ecosystem from one single centralized location. Okay, so Daniel, as you mentioned, there is a very high increase in the velocity of the development in the engineering team. We know about continuous integration, continuous testing, continuous delivery. We all know also that when velocity goes up, the quality and the security usually go down. There are so many tools, so many steps, so many gates. Can you tell us where your tool fits the best over the DevSecOps CI/CD pipeline? Yeah, sure. So we do see here in this diagram, the full process all the way from the developer's workstation or IDE, all the way to the moment the code is deployed. And, uh, and obviously there are a lot of great technologies out there, uh, each providing solutions within each and every one of those steps. And I think one of the challenges that we identified and one of the main motivations for us to build CIDR was that what AppSec practitioners are missing today within this very diverse and rapidly evolving and changing ecosystem is some sort of overarching element that's going to allow AppSec practitioners to understand what solutions are relevant and applicative for each type of category of solutions, given the specific technical characteristics of their own environment. Obviously, the different solutions that exist in this space each has its own specialty or expertise focusing on specific technologies. Even if we take SBOM, for example, which has been something that uh, the entire industry has been talking about, especially since Log4j, a lot of solutions provide SBOM capabilities, but then an organization, in order to be effective in its ability to create an accurate SBOM, has to have a good understanding of exactly what languages they're using and what frameworks they're using to manage packages. Even if you take JavaScript, there are little intricacies around whether you're using NPM or Yarn. And those same intricacies exist in every single language and framework. So even if we take SBOM, organizations have to understand exactly what languages and frameworks they're using, what package managers they're using, and make sure that whatever they're doing and whatever solutions they're choosing are applicable for the exact specific characteristics of their engineering environment. And this is the same for any type of category of solutions. And, and that is why we chose that bottom-up approach in CIDR, whereby CIDR is kind of an overarching element over all this suite of solutions where we first integrate with the organization, uh, with all the systems from the source control to the CI, to the artifact repository, to the container registry, to Kubernetes. Once we have all those integrations in place, we create a very accurate and comprehensive mapping of the technologies that are being used, the interconnectivity between the different technologies, what we call the technical DNA of the environment. And that then allows us to enable AppSec practitioners to make informed decisions about which solutions they need to apply at which stage in a manner that's one, optimized for their technical DNA, for the specific technical characteristics of their environment, and two, can be done in a manner that is going to allow AppSec to promote their agenda, but without having to be reliant on DevOps to actually implement and weave in these tools. Just like I mentioned, there are a lot of tools, and then there are a lot of potential solutions within each every category of tools. And if the reality is such that security are reliant on DevOps 
to implement every single one of those solutions, that creates a bottleneck. That is one of the things that creates friction between security and engineering that on the one hand slows down engineering because DevOps are focused on weaving and embedding security tools all the time. And on the other hand, doesn't allow achieving, achieving good security benefit because we're not actually using the most appropriate solutions, the ones that are more tailored to the specific technical characteristics of our environment. And so again, CIDR is that overarching element that allows to orchestrate and harmonize the usage of all of these solutions uh, in a manner that is aligned with the organization's needs. Thank you, very good answer. Daniel, you mentioned that you guys need quite a lot of access or different connectivity with different programs. And I'm wondering, how do you actually integrate with the different repositories? How do you in- integrate with the code if you need to integrate with the code? What's happening over there? Yeah, that's, that, that's a good question. So uh, I think CIDR is, is fortunate to, to operate in an ecosystem where all the different systems that, that I mentioned earlier, the source control, the CI, um, the artifact repository container registry, they're all optimized for programmatic integration not for security purposes, just because that's the nature of CICD solutions, solutions in the engineering space. There's a lot of programmatic access going on. And so we integrate with each and every one of these solutions using their own native method of programmatic integration. So for example, in GitHub, CIDR is installed as a GitHub app. Same for Bitbucket with GitLab, it's the API. With Jenkins, it's a Jenkins plugin. And again, the native method of programmatic integration for each and every one of these solutions. And one thing that's important to note is that the CIDR capabilities, those that provide that visibility and technical DNA are reliant only upon uh, read-only access. CIDR was built by security practitioners who were basically our buying persona uh, in our previous roles. And so we understand how um, sensitive it is to grant a third party with permissions to to those resources. And, and, And this is why we, one, were extremely diligent about building the most secure and robust security architecture that we can, and two, not asking for any permission that we don't actually require. And that is why in pretty much 99% of the context, we are read-only. You mentioned you guys have read-only access. I'm wondering, you still consume and probably store the data from them. So where do you store this data? How this data is being stored? Or maybe you just access and don't store the data. Yeah. So CIDR is a SaaS platform. We're hosted in AWS. A lot of the data that we process, we don't store. We just store the the output of our analysis on the data. Uh, Whatever we do store, we obviously store within our data repositories. It is encrypted at rest. We do apply very strict security controls, both having to do with the data itself and then obviously who, which humans and which applications have access to the data. Daniel. Application security solution aiming to identify and prevent security deficiencies early in the SDLC process. How does your solution contribute to this? What kind of challenges your solution addresses directly and why you're different than traditional solutions? Yeah, I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the solutions that operate in, in the space of detecting flaws in code, and it's important to mention that CIDR is or the AppSec operating system that I mentioned earlier is not just about detecting the flaws in code. There are a lot of flaws having to do with the security posture 
of the individual systems that um, that CIDR, CIDR connects to, whether it's the source control, the CI, or other systems down the pipeline. But I think the type of question that some of these solutions that are aimed to detect security flaws in code action and address is how secure is my code? The problem is with many of these solutions or the challenge that organizations are facing with many of these solutions is that those solutions are, are built to operate in a reality where there is harmony between security and engineering and security is able to effectively understand what languages and frameworks organizations are using for developing code, what is used for infrastructure as code, what are all the dependencies, what are all the needs, what are all the contexts in which we're developing code, and what type of solutions we need to apply in order to make sure that we're detecting those flaws and misconfigurations in the code in the most effective manner. And I think in today's reality where there's such a diversity in the technical stack where we have microservice architectures and many disparate uh, engineering groups, each developing pretty much autonomous in, in choosing what languages and frameworks they're, they, they're using. There is such a big diversity, even in smaller organizations, in the technical stack, the languages and frameworks that you're using. One of the questions that application security practitioners have to be able to answer is not just how secure is my code, but how well am I covering, how good is my coverage? How well am I covering all the contexts in which code is being developed? And how effective am I at detecting changes in the ecosystem that might require a new type of security measure, a new type of tool? How fast will I be able to detect that a specific team has chosen to adopt a new infrastructure as code framework or any type of other solution for coding that, that might've been adopted? And this is where the orchestration piece comes in. What CIDR does in this context is leverage the very comprehensive understanding we obtain about the languages in use, the frameworks in use, to allow organizations to tailor the exact set of solutions and scanners that they want through us, through our marketplace of scanners, both open source scanners, commercial scanners. Some of them uh, have actually already been on your podcast this season, uh, but really allow AppSec practitioners to create that optimal fusion of open source and commercial solutions that address the exact specific characteristics and technical nature of engineering groups and what they're doing in the organization on a continuous basis. For the last couple of months or even last two, three years, the supply chain attack become very important topic for conversation for many people. People afraid to get the software that potentially be vulnerable. Can you elaborate and, and tell us what you guys can do to help companies to understand there's something like this happening? So maybe it makes sense to take a minute to, to discuss how we see this uh, this risk of supply chain attacks and what type of questions organizations need to to ask themselves. And and in this context, I think a lot of organizations think of supply chain attacks as attacks that compromise third parties that organizations use in their code. And this is why SBOM has been such, a, such an effective uh, measure in coping with attacks like Log4j or Colors or Koa or RC or um, some other known vulnerable and known compromised packages. But then again, it's also important to mention in the context of supply chain, the fact that the engineering ecosystem is comprised of many, many third parties being used not only just to 
develop code, but also to make CI CD processes more effective. And at any given moment, any development organization has so many third parties that are connected to the environment, not as part of the code, but as, as a GitHub app installed as part of the GitHub apps marketplace, or as a GitHub OAuth application, or as a step in the CI, a GitHub action, or an orb in Circle CI, or a plugin in Jenkins. And this ecosystem is comprised of so many different third parties, which are also part of the software delivery chain. And in terms of the risk that they present, if these third parties are compromised, then they put the organization at risk. And in terms of mapping the attack surface, the attack surface of any single organization or any single engineering group is comprised of its organic assets, its SCM system, its CI system, its container registry artifact repository, but then also of the third parties that have access to those organic assets. And in many cases, when a third party like that is connected to the environment, it has uh, access to not only read the resources, but also in many cases to manipulate the resources. A great example of, of, of such an attack that has nothing to do with code, but it does have a lot to do with supply chain and third parties is the famous CodeCov hack um, that happened mid-2021. So CodeCov was used or is used by, uh, by DevOps to run as a step into the CI and provide metrics about code coverage. And what happened was CodeCov was compromised and uh, malicious code was appended to the CodeCov code running as part of the CI of thousands of organizations. And what ended up happening is that the CodeCov snippet accessed the environment variables of every single CI system it was running on and exfiltrated all the secrets in those environments that were stored as environment variables. This affected many big organizations, including HashiCorp, Monday, obviously a lot of organizations that didn't publish this. But CodeCov is just one example of a third party that organizations run in their CI that if it is compromised, then the organization's most critical assets are at risk. To wrap it all up, what CIDR does in the context of supply chain attacks and attacks that originate from third party breaches is, again, going back to that technical DNA, provide full understanding and visibility of what the organization's attack surface looks like, whether it's the SBOM, whether it's the third parties that are embedded in the code, or whether it's third party services that have access to our assets, have access to our code, to our secrets that can uh, run pipelines, that can access secrets stored in the CI, that can access our Kubernetes environment. And it's important to remember that usually implementation of these third parties is just two clicks in GitHub or, or you know, adding a specific line or two lines of code in the CI. And then that's it. The third party has probably perpetual access to the environments. And this is why it's so important to obtain that very comprehensive visibility to be able to understand exactly what our attack surface looks like and where we should steer the attention uh, when trying to understand how to optimize our posture in the context of supply chain attacks. That makes a lot of sense. If I may ask, what kind of frameworks you guys align with? As example, uh, OWASP top 10, Mitre top 25, or any others? The frameworks that exist, like the ones you mentioned, they're really focused on security of the code. For example, the OWASP top 10, or maybe security of the infrastructure. But then there is a 
new flavor of security risks that uh, that we talked about earlier that really deal with the security of engineering systems and processes and the risks or the attack vectors that are relevant uh, in this context are vectors that abuse legitimate engineering flows, legitimate engineering systems to then run malicious code on the CI, for example, and get to production using the secrets in the CI or deploy a malicious artifact through compromise of the CI, like what happened in SolarWinds. And right now there are multiple frameworks that are being developed to address or to have better clarity over those types of risks and over what organizations should be thinking about in the context of these risks. So some noteworthy uh, frameworks are, for example, the Salsa framework that really focuses on the security of the deployment process and the types of controls that we have around making sure that you know nobody can bypass the ICD and that uh, we have very strict controls over what humans and what applications are allowed to ship artifacts down the pipeline. And then there's obviously the top 10 CICD risk framework that CIDR Research uh, has developed together with multiple experts from, uh, from the industry and we released recently. What happens is that these frameworks that really address the new flavor of risks in CICD are still under development. They still haven't been widely adopted by the industry. And of course, the minute they, they are adopted by the industry, they're going to be manifested inside the product. We are already providing insight as to how well organizations are aligned or how strong the controls organizations have around the CICD top 10 risks uh, framework that we've developed. And, uh, and our objective and our goal is to provide organizations with as much visibility as possible around how secure they are in terms of their CICD security posture and what measures they can take in order to reduce the attack surface in relation to CICD security risks. So you guys recently came out of stealth. Tell us more. Yeah, we had our launch, uh, as you said, a few days ago, and and this has been a really exciting process for us. I think we've grown. Cider is uh, just over a year old, but we already have 60 employees and, and we're continuing to grow just because of how big an opportunity we have to really make an impact on the way organizations operate in the application security domain. Our goal is to make application security a commodity, something that every organization, no matter what size it is, or no matter what the level of maturity of their security program it is, we want AppSec to be a product that's easy to consume. And this is why the product is wired and built in, in the way that it's been built. Uh, CIDR is about empowering application security to promote the application security agenda and to remove any type of friction that can potentially exist between application security practitioners and engineers. And obviously we have so much more room to grow over there, whether it's building integrations with more systems in more stages within the pipeline, more source control systems, more CI systems, more artifact repositories. And of course, it's not only the breadth of systems that we support, uh, but it's also the depth and the types of, uh, of use cases that we're able to provide and how well, how well we're able to, uh, to create a product that is not only considered by APSIC practitioners as a product that makes their lives easier, but also considered by engineers as a product that makes engineers' lives easier. I think security solutions that operate in the application security domain 
today, the only way for them to succeed, if not only security consider them to be a, a product that makes their lives easier, but also engineers. And a lot of what we're doing, both on the technical or technology building front, but also on the marketing front and the types of communities we're involved in and the types of outreach that we do is oriented towards developers, towards DevOps engineers, towards the entire engineering community to allow them to, uh, to, to, to live in a reality where security is a product that's easy to consume. Daniel, if you had a magic wand, what would you do with it? World peace, of course. Daniel, thank you very much. It was great. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Daniel. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and join us for our next episode.